This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Welcome to Headscarves and Good Yarns with me, Amal Abdullahi. The show is all about talking about race, diversity, and everything in between, all in the hopes of empowering a more empathetic Aotearoa. We talk about all these huge life things through the lens of people's lives and stories. I hope every yarn you take a wee gem from it and expands your heart and mind just a wee bit more. Kia ora, alaikum. welcome to another episode of Headscarves and Good Yarns. Thank you for tuning in, it's just me writing solo today, um, but you know, I've got some interesting things that I kind of want to talk about with you guys this episode, so yeah, grab your cup of tea, sit down and yeah, let's learn together and unpack some things together. Um, and the first thing that I want to talk about for this episode was just um, unpacking those comments made by Troy Boker, who is a Hurricanes board member and his comments in response to Sir Ian Taylor's um, um, post, initial post and who are these people so Sir Ian Taylor grew up in Hawke's Bay and his firm is really famous for its global sports graphics especially for America's Cup but now it has a range of resources that teach children about technology and innovation um, brought to Aotearoa um, from the Polynesian navigators that cross the ocean, which I think is amazing that this company is now a champion for Tangata Whenua and Pacific peoples and being of um, Māori, well, you know, having that Māori whakapapa as well. I think that is amazing that the personal is becoming part of his business and, um, yeah, he gets to be a champion um, by sharing these resources and sharing a story that isn't often told. Um, and Troy um, Boker, I think he's now resigned, but resigned, English, I'm out. Um, he's now resigned, but was a board member, a Hurricanes board member, and um, also has his own company as well. Um, it will come up later in the corridor, but yes, he has his own company and is in, is on the board or was on the board for the Hurricanes. So, Sir Ian Taylor, very much a champion for Tangata Whenua and Pacific peoples, and he made a post on LinkedIn in response to Judith Collins um, backing for a referendum on the use of the name um, Aotearoa for New Zealand. So, and then he... In his post, he made a link to a Tom Scott cartoon, which had the words, you know, how come New Zealand excels on the water in yachting, rowing, kayaking, etc. And then answer, our ancestral DNA. Um, and then added to that um, cartoon by saying, you know, it could be a wonderful message for Judith and his friends. Um he then went on to say, Our Polynesian ancestors set out across the Pacific Ocean, Te Moana Nui a Kiwa, at the same time that the Egyptians were building the pyramids, and arrived here to a place they called the Land of the Long White Cloud. That's Aotearoa, Judith. 600 years before a Dutch man sailed by, without bothering to stop claiming this already inhabited land as his by simply adding the word new to the place he called home. Zealand. If we are going to have a debate about naming rights, let's do it fully informed about the amazing feat of the Pacific voyagers who named the Whenua where they settled. The post said. And then, um, oh, okay, so this is where his mahi comes up. So, Boka, who is a 
executive chairman of an investment company called Kaniwi Capital, which has a stake in the Hurricanes, called um, Sir Ian Taylor's post an absolute load of nonsense. And then he went on to say, another example of European New Zealanders not being proud of their own ancestors and sucking up to the left Māori loving agenda, FFS, which I feel like I should know what stands for, but I have no idea, um, Wake Up New Zealand, he wrote. Um, and then went on to say, um, the Scots, Vikings and Romans were building boats 8,000 years ago, his post said. And then went on to ask Sir Ian Taylor, what percentage Māori are you? And so there has been, a, a, you know, a lot of backlash online, um, calling his comments racist and just kind of questioning his position as the director of the Hurricanes. Um, and even people who have clout like Trevor Mallard has spoken up about it. He went on to say uh, at Hurricanes Rugby, I think I am one of your most loyal fans and oh, you know enjoyed the board hospitality and being a season ticket holder but I've lived through tremendous damage to race relations by racist rugby administrations administrators 40 years ago. I won't attend another match while Bowker is on your board. Um and then the Hurricanes rugby chair Ian Potter released a statement saying Burke is not an employee of the Hurricanes. Um, you know, as a part owner of the Hurricanes, Troy is entitled to a director's role and consequently we are not in a position to control his opinions when he speaks and represents himself or his businesses outside of rugby. The Hurricanes do not support the remarks in question. Um, and then Boca, uh, put out another email and um you know he stood by everything that he said originally by saying you know i did not say maori should not be proud of their ancestors i was simply pointing out that europeans should be equally as proud that his post did not uh, did not do that and was essentially glorifying only maori dna and not european and then he went on to say you know there's nothing racist about pointing out that we should celebrate our European ancestors' achievements as much as Māori celebrates theirs. Um, and, and then Sir Ian Taylor said, you know, he, he was more than willing to engage in a discussion about the comments if the other party was willing to listen. And it was crazy of, you know, anyone would accuse him of disavowing European history, he said. And already there are so many interesting things that have come up and you see it come up quite a lot when people are talking about race or race relations in New Zealand. Um, and I, I would love the opportunity to kind of unpack it and talk about it a bit more because this rhetoric of, you know, when any marginalized group it has a moment to be uplifted or to be empowered it's always seen as an attack on the majority um and you know all of a sudden there's this rush for well what about inserting the rights of the majority group and it's not something that you see in the race space you see it in um in the feminists like space as well where there are all these groups that are calling for equality for women and then 
there's all of a sudden been this offshoot of groups that are, well, we're here for men's rights. You know, men's rights are being attacked right now by the presence of these groups calling for equality for women. So we need to really assert our rights as men. And it's something that you're seeing here where um, Sir Ian Taylor has made these comments about um, Pacific navigation skills and how amazing it is and um, how much knowledge it actually has brought over to New Zealand. And none of that history and none of that knowledge has actually been um, acknowledged before. And then here you have someone like Troy who has taken seen that as an attack somehow um you know there's a sense of fragility that has been broken or undermined and um now he is inserting the rights of europeans um and i think that that happens when i think the the dynamics that have been set up right now it is historically and systematically put voices that aren't usually heard and silence them literally silence them and so that is allowed space for the majority to come in um, and take up all the space um, and if one hasn't had the opportunity to kind of acknowledge their privilege or acknowledge the histories and the events that have happened to allow the space dynamics that we currently have um, happen. And you think that is the normal and you think that is how things have always been, should always be, when suddenly those marginalized voices uh getting that space back or having voices and stories and histories told it feels like it's an encroach on it's a, yeah it feels like it's an encroach of that space of um your expression of self of of histories and privilege and it's so interesting because and I think it goes to show like just how embedded we have been in this current dynamic that people think that this is how it's always been, how it should be forever and cannot even consider that actually that it's this space for everyone. Nothing is being taken away from everyone. But what's actually happening is that we are now making room for the true diversity that we have we are now trying to do better by those groups that have historically and systemically been silenced all this time um but you wouldn't be in the headspace of oh well this is um, making the playing field even and this is what equity looks like if you haven't even had the opportunity to process your privilege um, and you think that equality is all that is needed to fix our race relations problem. It's not about equality. It is about equity because there have been groups that have been historically and systematically disadvantaged. And, you know, I mean, I'm just talking about all sorts of things. I'm not just race or I'm, I'm also talking about, um, you know, 
socioeconomic dynamics. If you're not aware of your privilege, you have no idea how much of a head start you have truly been given in life. You have no idea how much space you automatically get given. You have no idea how much power privilege will give you. And when you're not aware of that, when marginalized groups are finally giving the equity that they deserve and need just to even out the playing field it is encroach it does become personal right it's like it's an insult to your history and the way that you view this world and I think there's a scarcity mindset when actually we're all in abundance and what's happening now is what should have happened ages ago and there have been wrongs in history and stories that haven't been acknowledged um, and groups of people who have been disadvantaged by the system. It doesn't rely on the individual to to work harder, to make up for it, to do all X, Y, Z things. The onus should be on the system, right? And so when people become champions for marginalized groups, it's it's definitely seen as, oh God, they're enclosing in and taking up all of the space. And I think there's a lot of people in New Zealand who actually think like that. Um, and that kind of brings me to my next point because in his initial comment, um, which I'm just trying to find now. Yes, so he said, another example of European New Zealanders not being proud of their own ancestors and sucking up to the left moldy loving agenda. And um, I think that is very, very interesting that um, these two traits have been put together. You know, the left wing automatically being um, moldy loving and I mean you never hear of the right wing being associated with um, like Maori loving as Troy has coined it in his in his sentence uh, I mean in his comment um, but and it I think it builds this divide up even more because I think honoring tangata whenua and correcting the wrongs that have been committed in the past should have nothing to do with where you are on the political x y x y axis like it doesn't matter where you land whether it's you know left right whatever that should be independent to um honoring titiriti and um becoming a true bicultural country um you know because maori people were the first people of this land and has and as sir ian taylor pointed out um you know for this for the european explorers that came to new zealand and call this new land a land that actually has been occupied and inhabited and looked after by um the indigenous people of this land it's very um interesting to me that we put make it a political thing it's part of this political agenda and the left is you know all about maori loving as troy has said um but actually i believe it should be independent and no matter where you politically land 
um, the rights of Tangan Te Whenua should always be at the forefront um, and it should be something that we should work we'd be working towards um on all fronts but it's just very interesting that by associating the left agenda as this Maori loving agenda it most definitely has marginalized how actually important it is that we should be um upholding the stories and the histories that aren't often told and how we should be becoming more bicultural and and finding equitable ways for all people in New Zealand. Um, but it has minimalized it to, oh, well, it's just left loving. And, you know, there are these stereotypes about the left and the right. Um, and the left just, yeah, being this social justice. And, and I think when there's, um, stereotypes about people who do put social justice, um, as a priority there's no um rationale behind that that it's all very idealistic and um not realistic and i think that's really dangerous that there is that rhetoric out there um when it should be something that all new zealanders should be concerned about and working towards um but his comment has just kind of prove that there is there is this like rhetoric out there um and tangtafinoa rights is not seen as something important and something relevant for all but just something that the left kind of um hold on to but it's not going anywhere which i think is um a really dangerous attitude because it's something that we should all be working towards and um another thing that he said that i thought was which would be worth unpacking as well where um he then asked sir ian taylor what percentage maori are you and this blood quantum conversation is really damaging i think people I mean this is I think this blood quantum conversation can be had in many spaces um I think it's something that people are very concerned about um and how you identify can only ever be uh, validated sorry by your blood quantum which I think is very like a horrible way to think about it because identity is so complex the way that you interact with this world is lived from multiple different um axes uh, axes sorry and it's not just about your blood quantum um which I think is just um honestly just so horrible to validate someone's experience and someone's identity by how much percentage um they are to a certain race this there's no like i think the danger most dangerous thing about blood quantums is that it builds this pressure to justify who you are just on your blood percentage um which i think is really horrible um and when people are talking about 
blood quantum they're usually talking about you know the proportion of a particular ethnicity that you are so you know for for me for example it is a hundred percent um somali um but for you know if you know if we have kids in the future um arthur and i's kids would be uh 50% somali uh i don't know a very small percentage croatian and the other maybe 45% would be um malaysian chinese um and you know for some people your blood quantum then dictates um your identity or culture which makes no sense because who you identify and who you belong to is so much more than your blood quantum and you can't and to justify someone's identity um, and validate it by their blood quantum is very very damaging because it gives people the pressure to identify um it definitely fuels that narrative of um feeling as if you aren't enough um because if you're only x percentage of that race you can't truly fit in into that culture and and not even just fit in you can't have a true understanding of that culture you can't um you know maybe perhaps grasp the language as well you don't have and also another thing that I've noticed as well is you don't have the rights to speak on that culture as much because you're only x percentage and your opinion is not as valid as someone who is a hundred percent percent of that race which um is really scary um and it's very normal for people to lead conversations around identity and belonging with blood quantum when actually it is up to that person um you are the cultures that you know that you choose or feel that you belong to and if it's all of them then all of them and people should be able to take that without questioning it without saying well how much um, percentage of that culture are you actually can you fully claim it um which I think is yeah really scary um and we shouldn't just assume what people's cultures they feel like they belong to just by looking at them and kind of guessing what their blood quantum is or just directly asking what their blood quantum was and I think you know there's nothing if you're generally curious and you just love to know where people are from i think there are some certain contexts where it's okay to ask you know like where are you from or you know where are your parents from blah 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 um and i think and also if you ask that question and you're genuinely curious but someone still gets offended don't take that to heart because everyone is valid to respond however they want to with that question um like for me as in my experience as someone who does come from a marginalized group coming from uh, growing up in New Zealand there are lots of questions where you know if whether or not it offends me depends on 
that person's intention and you can tell by the way that someone asks you and in which context they ask you what their intention behind that question is um, and if people are curious and they just you know want to know more than happy to ask that question but in saying that that is that is just my opinion and if you are just curious and you do ask that question and someone gets offended then you know they have they don't yeah not everyone's going to think the same way I do but in my personal opinion you know sometimes when people are just curious that question I think um can be okay but in this context and with this intent you know why Troy asked that question of what percentage Māori are you and it was um him trying to invalidate Sir Ian's Sir Ian Taylor's initial uh, uh, sorry initial what a mile initial comment about how um you know it's in our ancestral DNA because of our Pacific voyages that came to Aotearoa um, and using the indigenous knowledge and tools to come to New Zealand you know it's in our DNA and he was trying to invalidate Sir Ian Taylor's stance by asking what percentage Māori are you um and I think that's so silly because you know first Sir Ian Taylor um whakapapa's back to Māori heritage doesn't matter how much at the end of the day he's still whakapapa's back to Māori heritage and that is part of his identity there may be some other things that are part of his identity but the fact that he being Māori is part of his identity it doesn't matter how much that number is he still identifies as Māori and that doesn't invalidate his initial stance but you can tell that that was his intention behind asking that question of what percentage Māori are you Oh gosh, I have to be very real with you guys. My battery was running really low on the mic um, and I can't 100% remember where I last picked up off. But anyways, going back to the blood quantum thing, um, you can't use a percentage to dictate someone's belonging and identity in a particular culture. Um, and for Troy to ask that question to kind of... Um, use that against Sir Ian Taylor of the comments that he's made I think is really 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 not a great thing to do but it's something that happens quite often um, and even if people um, don't mean it in a bad way I've just definitely heard people um, talk about someone's blood quantum and kind of assume things about who they are and their sense of belonging and identity and I think that is so it just really blows my mind and I think we clearly need to talk more about blood quantum and how we should be looking at looking at it rather than how we talk about it now like I would hate for Arthur and I's kids in the future to feel like they uh, yeah, I would hate for Arthur and I's kids in the future to feel like they are less than just because, you know, someone's told them, well, you're only X percent of this culture, so what would you know really? And how can you really say you belong there and all these other sorts of things? And, uh, yeah, it's something that has come up in this um you know something that has come up in this I was going to say scandal but I don't want to minimalize it by calling it that but you know whatever you want to call this it, it's come up in this um 
and then just going back into the article when um Boca tried to you know stand up or justify his actions because he didn't really offer an apology and he didn't really acknowledge that you know his comments were um damaging um all he said was I did not say Māori should not be proud of their ancestors I was simply pointing out that Europeans should be equally as proud and that his post did not do that and was essentially glorifying only uh, Māori DNA and not European. There is nothing racist about pointing out that we should celebrate our European ancestors' achievements as much as Māori celebrate theirs. Um, and again, that same fragility is coming up where if there are posts or efforts to champion um, Māori and Pacific peoples, it's then people who haven't had that conversation about privilege and race, it's, it is it is seen as a direct attack on um, the white New Zealand because it's now like, oh, well, you know, you have to stand up for the rights and the history and the stories of um, white New Zealand as well, not just about um Maori people um, and you can see that it's quite a sickening attitude when you think about it because a there is room for everyone um, but also um, but also there has been little effort to understand why we are trying so hard to champion for um, tongue whenua but also other marginalized groups because I think we now are at the stage in our society where we are painfully aware of the things that happened in the past were just so not okay and there is nothing we can do to kind of rectify that because what's being done has been done but now we have the opportunity to do better because we know better now and that means striving not just for equality but striving for equity and that means building up voices that haven't been heard and building up histories that haven't been heard and providing opportunities that otherwise would have systematically been a closed door um for tangata whenua but other marginalized groups as well um so it's not glorifying only Māori DNA. Um, it's not taking away from the white New Zealand. It's not glorifying Māori DNA. What's actually happening is we are providing equity. And I think Sir Ian Taylor has seen that gap that needs to be filled and hence why his company is highlighting those stories um, and technologies that aren't usually told because how are you going to be aware of what's been done in the past and how can we build a more equitable future for everyone in New Zealand if we don't know the history if you don't have that awareness to begin with so so for Sir Ian Taylor to do that with his company and do it in his own way um, with the graphics and the you know they usually cover America's Cup so to keep that theme of water and and navigation and stuff that makes sense that like that's his what even though the why is very similar of 
you know, championing voices that aren't usually heard and um, knowing better, so therefore doing better. That's what it's about. Um, but for people like Boker and those who haven't really understood the history, haven't understood why there is a need to um, make make more equitable um, resources and approaches and changes to the system, of course all these efforts are going to look like it's only glorifying the marginalized groups and this fragile need to point out that, you know, you the white New Zealand should be equally as proud and should have equal amount of rights and all these, all these things, which I think is so damaging because what's happening now is it's indirectly saying, well, who is a Kiwi and who isn't a Kiwi and who gets the right to, have their voices and histories and stories told and who doesn't that's indirectly what it's saying and that's the conversation that is kind of bubbling over again not just because of this hurricanes thing but also you know there's judith collins um judith collins comments about um calling for a referendum about how to name this country whether it's new zealand or Aotearoa and it's really um scary and you know there have been stories of people getting um hate and complaints about the use of um tereo in our broadcasting and I think that is honestly really scary especially after the Christchurch terrorist attack and we were all very quick to say this is not us and all these sorts of things but you know there is this underlying rhetoric of who can and can't be a Kiwi and with this kind of attitude it will systematically always oppress a certain group of people and I'm not too sure how we will ever become a truly bicultural multicultural country if there is this rhetoric and this fragile need to always point out the rights of white New Zealand when that has never been um in question that has never been directly unattacked uh, directly attacked that has never been silenced before but what well you know who has been silenced before and who has been under attack and who has had their culture stories language history threatened is our tangata whenua um but it's never been white new zealand but white new zealand has you know i'm has, is, is so fragile when those efforts to remedy what has been done in the past um, is now being actioned it is seen as a direct on seen as a direct attack on white Kiwi and that is so not the case um, and I really loved Sir Ian Taylor's response to all of this um, and what he said is um, and, and especially in response to the multiple multiple calls, sorry, for Bowker to step down from his role. So Ian Taylor said, you know, that won't achieve anything. Um, people have their views, but I would hope he might pause and take a look at Ma Tauranga. I'm not hollering for anyone to step down. People have said 
I should block him. I am not going to because comments like this are reminding me why it is really important to encourage a wide discussion with reasonable people to listen to more than just one side of the story. And I think that is really important that Sir Ian Taylor has brought that up because what we often see happening in the space is that you know people who are very passionate um already very aware in the space and um know what well what yeah knows what is very obvious to me that we need to do better um by our tangata whenua and our other marginalized groups um but for a lot of people actually it is not as obvious and it's not as black as white and what happens is that we have people who have so strong in their views and championed the heck out of marginalized communities that when someone from the opposite side says something they're so quick to cut down that other person that the conversation that could have happened um where there could have been learning and there could have been people deepening their understanding and people um could have had you know their views challenged but you know from that challenge is where the growth comes from that opportunity to learn and potentially grow completely missed entirely missed just very not for just for not just for the person who has been cut down or the person has been cancelled out but also for the people who are kind of in between and you know have don't really have an opinion which I think is also you know normal um we should normalize not having an opinion um but for everyone involved it's a missed learning opportunity um and i think one myth when it comes to talking about race is that people who have um certain opinions are automatically racist but the thing is some people are just um innocently ignorant and just have never had the opportunity to learn never had the opportunity to have their views challenged um and if we want people to talk about this more i think we do need to create more safe places and not call you know we can call out people in a way that calls them forward to for more action not just calling out people and keeping them out of the game but calling out people to call them forward to do better and to know better um so i really loved how sir ian taylor mentioned that um because it has now provided this opportunity for people to not just back it but for other people who would have just casually scrolled through all of this while they're checking their news you know on their morning commute or whatever now you know they've had the opportunity to also kind of sit in this and and you know draw what conclusions from it who knows that's another conversation but at least have had the opportunity to kind of sit in this conversation because hopefully now it's that awareness of you know sir ian taylor's why is uplifting voices and stories and technologies that often aren't heard um and I think that is a very important thing because in New Zealand we think that we're not a racist country but we very much are and there is this rhetoric that is just being allowed to bubble over and then people who who do know better but are very uh, just so passionate about it very quick to call up the other side there's this huge 
missed learning opportunity um and the divide is growing even greater i feel like um and yeah one conversation that i or one question that i really took away from reading this well i feel like we're having this conversation again about who is a new zealander and, and who isn't even the word kiwi like who can be a kiwi and who cannot because the word kiwi is not a european word it's not part of the english dictionary um but we have this friction i feel like between new zealand and aotearoa and there is this rhetoric really coming through of stop ramming maori language down our throats and maori language doesn't have a place here and i think that is um really scary like judith collins has um endorsing this idea of a referendum on the use of the word Aotearoa and I think this has kind of set a, a wave of pain again because again it's another reminder of well we still very much have this line and on one side of the line are people who are New Zealanders on the other side um there are people who aren't and the implication there is that people who are on the side of being Kiwi is um white New Zealand and everyone else is on the other side um which I think is very scary um it's very scary when we claim as a country that we aren't racist and there's nothing really wrong in New Zealand. Um, and <sighs> sorry, I was just sighing because I was just, just thinking about this whole situation and, um, you know, the comments that Judith Collins have made and just kind of acknowledging that, you know, for people who don't belong to white New Zealand, it's just a reminder that we still don't 100% belong. Um, so anyways, what Judith Collins said was, um, were her comments on this referendum on the use of um, the word Aotearoa and she said, you know, I just have an issue with it uh, I have an issue with just a change without anybody being consulted. If you look at most government agencies, they're now changing it. The Prime Minister changes the way she talks about it. You barely ever hear her talk about New Zealand these days. Um, and I think that kind of gave her publicly saying something like that has kind of given permission for this darker narrative that is now emerging and people are ex openly and comfortably expressing their dislike and distaste for te reo maori and you know calling it all sorts of horrible things which i just don't really want to repeat because it's not great but you know whatever words that have been used there is this distaste for um te reo maori and people uh questioning its relevance um and its place here in Aotearoa which I think is mind-boggling to me and it kind of fits in with this rhetoric where um you know Māori is seen as savages and too busy 
fighting with another to come up with a name for this country and and then also in the space of too incompetent to be scientists or navigators when you know indigenous knowledge is what brought um indigenous peoples to this country to begin with and um indigenous knowledge is what has kept the land alive and respect for this land but here we are in this modern world and we are using and abusing mother earth and you know the climate change reports that have come out recently is quite scary because in a short amount of time human activity has caused um irreversible damage to this planet and i think that's very scary and here we are and we're having this movement of sorry movement of people reclaiming their moldiness and getting back into learning the language and reviving the culture and then there's this rhetoric where it's people expressing their dislike for the language and you know you can't really separate language culture people so you know when people are expressing their dislike for te reo maori it's not just about the language it's about the culture and the people right and it then makes people question who they are as a Maori person and how they need to and how much of themselves they feel like they can authentically claim and live um you know it kind of and creates this environment where it's not safe for people to be who they are and modify it and code switch how they need to act and present themselves in front of other people because it's not just criticizing the language but it's also criticizing um the culture and and i think that is really scary because regardless of what the politics are i mean i'm not a super into the politics so i'm not going to get into the politics of you know, Judas motives behind standing up for the referendum, but then also saying these other things. I, I what I care about is how these statements like this actually prompt so many conversations, thoughts, and feelings. And right now, there is a major backlash towards using um, te reo Māori, and people uh, feel like they're empowered after to vocalize those opinions as well and it's very damaging especially for a group for our indigenous peoples who have been marginalized and damaged and hurt by a system you know with a system that has forced assimilation and there have been generations where the language has just completely died and now it's coming back to life and you know politicians saying certain things gives people the permission to vocalize their opinions um so matthew tukaki who is the chair of the national maori authority had a letter sent to his house sent to his house so people knew the address of his personal address and on in this envelope it said um, te reo Māori is a dead language. When is someone going to stand up to the likes of Matthew Tukaki and the like who are trying to and succeeding in telling the wor- world they are super- they are a superior race? And again, it's this attitude of um, glorifying 
making Māori the superior race when it's really not. It's um, people claiming back their language and culture who have been, who, who it's, you know, it's on the verge of death, on the verge of death, and people just want to be able to be who they are and to speak their language and to, to claim who they are, especially in a country where it is, we are on indigenous land. Um, and uh, this isn't the first time Tukaki says that a letter has been sent to his house. Um, and it, it unfortunately probably won't be the last time. Um, but this is, this is what I want to talk about. Like when we allow these kind of narratives to run amok, it causes damage. It is very damaging and we shouldn't allow it. We shouldn't give it any airtime. And I think passively, uh, the way our society operates and the way that our systems are passively, we allow these kind of rhetorics to happen. I mean, we say we are not racist because we don't actively encourage things that we see in textbooks as being oh oh so bad and horrible um but we also let these kind of narratives run run amok and um exist which i think is very very damaging and that is why it's so important that we have absolutely zero tolerance to to racism and i know we're still very scared of using the r word and who and not assigning it to someone but you know calling out behavior that does fall under the back bracket but it's so important that we have zero tolerance because it's just so damaging um so so damaging and you know I was reading this article the other day where they've had lots of um they are talking about how there's been a spike in complaints because it's not it's all broadcasters who are trying now to incorporate more um tero moldi into their broadcasting and even that is not a huge amount it's just a little bit it's just greetings here and there it's um using the correct place names um but that has caused a spike in complaints about um, the use of Tiro Māori, and I think that is is very harmful. Um, and we should be standing up for the safety of Tangata Whenua right now, because these attacks basically telling um, Tangata Whenua, your culture doesn't matter, you don't matter, you cannot bring your authentic self um, with you, you have to um, silence your moldiness and that's very harmful that would not just play around with your sense of belonging and identity but it also has huge repercussions for mental health and this kind of trauma is passed on generation to generation so we should as a country we should be protecting um, our tangata whenua and not allowing that horrible toxic um narrative to even exist but I think it's um it goes to show that the fact that this friction even exists there's still a huge conversation that we need to have about privilege that we need to have about our histories um that we need to have about the concept of 
equity um but before i dive even more deeper into that i just want to thank you for tuning into another episode of headscarves and good yarns um i hope you got um a nugget or two from that episode and thank you so much um for tuning in and if there's anything that has been sparked in you by listening to this please talk about it with your friends and family please 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 keep the corridor going um and catch you for the next time Thank you for tuning in into another episode of Headscarfs and Good Yarns. To keep spinning the yarns, let us know your thoughts. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Headscarfs and Good Yarns or email us at headscarfsandgoodyarn at gmail.com. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.